A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center podcast feed is the Clone Wars Report. <laughs> Uh, 
We've taken a little hiatus on uh, talking about the Clone Wars report uh, as we covered uh, Mandalorian and got through the holidays, and I was so excited to see how refreshed Ken would be on his ability to do some nice uh, trumpets and sound effects uh, with his mouth for the Clone Wars report, and I was not disappointed at all. Uh, anyway, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and uh, Trumpet Man is <laughs> Ken Napsack, right? I'm here. Yeah, you know, not a refreshing week that we're recording this in, but I feel refreshed about the Clone Wars and the Clone Wars report. It was fun to get back in. Yeah, absolutely. We uh, we discussed the whole first season. We are discussing basically the sort of the storyline. So if it's a single episode, we discuss that. If it's a three episode arc, we discuss that. And we did that whole first season. Uh, now we're diving into the second season with a three episode arc. We are discussing the Holocron heist which is season two, episode one, written by Paul Dini, directed by Justin Ridge. Then Cargo of Doom, written by George Christick, directed by Rob Coleman. And then Children of the Force, written by Henry Gilroy, directed by Brian Kalen O'Connell. Uh, Ken, we are heading into the part of the Clone Wars where it's, I think, quite wise to check that chronological watch order because this is where it gets uh, just bonkers with how everything uh, jumps around and I do think that it's valuable to watch them in the chronological order rather than the release order because a, a lot of things just track more make more sense I think you can get more out of the story and the reason I say all that is because it's significant that this kickoff to season two is these are the three episodes that are in chronological order, but this is also broadcast order. These are the first three episodes of season two. So it's interesting uh, for me as we discuss this, Ken, to talk about all the stuff we normally do about what's going on in the episodes and all the Star Wars of it. But also just knowing that, you know, the Clone Wars is rolling on and this is how they decided to kick off season two, right? Yeah, a big start to the season. And, uh, and, and of course, uh, the broadcast order had Cad Bane kind of making a debut at the end of season one, right? Which is uh, significant and confusing. And, 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 and this is why we're doing it. I think there's great value. We keep saying that because it's, it's just continues to reward me personally of someone who never did the chronological rewatch, never did till this, this show. And you get a lot out of it. Uh, but this is the first time where I'm kind of like, uh, yeah, I'd like to discuss which debut of Cad Bane was better. But uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. It, it was. Uh, it's also comforting to go. Okay. Oh, these are this. This is as I saw it too. So season two. Um, and then the show just gets bigger too. You can see right away. And there's I love watching those little featurettes. Starwars.com has them uh, buried in their archives. If you if you go to Wikipedia and then you can link to like the old backup links where Kristen Baver went through every episode and they have episode guides. We refer to them a lot here on Clone Wars Report, but some great ones with Filoni for this arc. And and one of them is just, he's just saying like, this is season two. Look at what, what we can do and look where we, where we could go. And it was very confusing for the production team to be like nine planets, nine planets. And you immediately start to feel the benefits of a bigger season, more confidence, even a bigger budget. Uh, and I, And I love that about this. Yeah, yeah. Great point about how in broadcast order we had seen Cad Bane, but just watching them in chronological order, if you didn't know that, this is the this big introduction uh, in chronological order to this new villain, which is really sort of expanding the slate of villains. Uh, mm -hmm. The first season, we've really got a lot of characters that we're familiar with, with uh, Dooku and Grievous, and, you know, we, people already knew Asajj Ventress, so Cad Bane feels like this big introduction. And then, yeah, just the expanse of both uh, ideas and locations is very clear in these three episodes. So before we dive in, I got my uh, my summary here that I wrote up for these three episodes. Uh, so here we go. Here's a summary, the best of my ability. 
Enter Cad Bane. The deadly Duros bounty hunter is hired for a heist. The devious Darth Sidious sends Bane to steal a holocron from the Jedi Temple. Despite the odds, Bane's infiltration and subterfuge succeeds. The befuddled Jedi send Anakin Skywalker and Ahsoka Tano to intercept Cad Bane before he can kidnap Jedi Master Bola Ropal, who holds the key kyber crystal that can unlock the holocron. The Jedi fail to stop that too. Master Opal dies, and Bane uses Ahsoka as a hostage to convince Anakin to open the holocron. Bane then uses the information on the holocron to kidnap four sensitive children who could become the Jedi of the future. He delivers them to a secret facility on Mustafar where Sidious schemes to enslave the children and use them as a force-sensitive spy network. Through patience and precision, Anakin and Ahsoka finally rescue the children. But did they learn any lessons? Let's discuss. Mm -hmm. You. So, oh, thank you, thank you. Uh, I had fun with that one. There's a lot of alliteration to be had, and a lot of Jedi failure. We already talked a little bit about this as the premiere of the second season, but Ken, what was your overall reaction to this as a part of the grand Star Wars story? Did you love these episodes? Like them? Struggle with them? Yeah, I, I really love it, and I'll start. Uh, I touched on it already, but I, I this one makes great sense. Uh, Storyline wise, release wise, I, I, you can see again when you lay it down on the map, like the chronological order really works. I do personally love the debut of, of Cad Bane on television a, a, a little bit more. I, I thought it was slightly more effective uh, and more interesting and just compelling. That said, big, that said, Cad Bane absolutely emerges as one of the best additions in Star Wars. You mentioned it, new villain, and it's via the Clone Wars. And this is the first time, because remember, Soka's shown up met with some resistance by fans believe it or not back, <laughs> back in the day kids cad bane shows up and i still believe in my heart that he shouldn't have worked <laughs> i look at him and i love girls isn't the problem but i look at him at, at the great voice but even you hear the voice uh the gun the, the duster the cowboy hat i'm like it's comical yet it's he's threatening he's compelling he's different he's new and it works and that's the thing i love about this arc more than anything i do love corsant as a location uh i i, I love this gets into where we're going to discuss palpatine's bigger desires and what's lurking beneath it all there's some great stuff in here including the return to to planets uh that that are important and um and and so that's 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 the legacy of this arc for me whenever you watch it it really just makes cad bane what he is uh, a popular character you kind of even though what's always weird we root for the villain sometimes in our hearts not <laughs> not rooting for him to win but you're just rooting to watch him rooting to you want him to lose i guess and that's a good thing so it's a valuable thing to the story so that's what i take from these episodes yeah it's great great thoughts on cad bane it is hard not to discuss the the cad bane of it all is the uh is the main idea in these three episodes because I yeah I, I gotta go and rewatch that first season episode with just that mindset of which is a better introduction for me in some ways I think because I was watching them in a real analytical mind space while still having fun like Cad Bane I liked mm -hmm. him maybe the most I ever have he made the most sense to me and I think it's partially because what you're saying is he is one of these characters that I, I've never heard anybody uh, and I'm sure they're out there but I've never heard anybody who dislikes Cad Bane right he is obviously a fan of people who grew up with the Clone Wars for people of our generation who kind of want less wacky and more, uh, you know, badass uh, sometimes, uh, that uh, Cad Bane really uh, fit that. But you're right. He's just weird. <laughs> and in this perfect Star Wars way that he is, I think this is what I liked about his introduction. Seeing him in this episode, right. leaning up, 
uh, in some Coruscant hovel, uh, staring out at the dark city with those the, the shadows of those uh, blinds, those shades casting down upon him. He is this mix of, you know, absolutely science fiction. Duros is one of the most just, like, you could see them on a flying saucer aliens that Star Wars has to offer. But he's got the weird, almost like kind of steampunky pipes in his cheeks. He's totally Western with the hat and the duster and the, you know, the toothpick, you know, in his lip. But then that image of him right there, that first image is just drenched in noir. And he's like, he is this, to me, this collection of, if Star Wars gets part of its strength by being a, a fantasy, by being mythology, but then within that, just grabbing from every other genre and pushing it through the Star Wars filter, he is like uh, at, at least three genres in one. Mm. <laughs> and that that weird voice with it's kind of got an accent, kind of has that, you know, uh, reverb that's clearly like, you know, that's not just a natural human voice is so cool and badass so just the look of him just the idea of him is this great genre mashup and then these three episodes uh i've got some thoughts that we can discuss about this they go to effort to show you why cad bane is being successful it's not just that he's being successful because he's one of the baddest bounty hunters uh, that there is in the galaxy um there's a reason that he is a badass and there's a reason that he can take it to the jedi and these episodes show that so i really love it for that um other overall reaction to this arc is I just love that it's a ton of Jedi lore, you know, spending more time in the archives, more time with uh, Jocasta New and fake Jocasta New, uh, spending really a lot of quality time with the holocrons and really sort of uh, elevating the myth of them and the, uh, the meditating to find younglings and peeking into that Jedi process and, you know, Palpatine's plan being one of the kind of weirder, darker ones and ones that I think as Star Wars fans, uh, we don't have reason to discuss as much, but it's really fascinating. So it's got a ton of Jedi, you know, Sith lore. Plus, you know, I've been talking about adventure serials a lot lately. This arc is pretty close to having actual cliffhangers. Like they still have the end of the episode still have that like really classic. Let's pull out and, and look at a tableau of our characters and, and, uh, and peacefully. It's not like the dun, 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 what, you know, what will happen, but there isn't an effort to resolve it. It's just like, oh, yeah, hey, he escaped, and now he's going after Jedi Master Bowler Paul, and the next one is, oh, oh no, <laughs> he's got it all. Things aren't going great, uh, or, or rather that we know that he is lurking there. That's that's a real cliffhanger that we know he is uh, hiding in, as, a, as a clone trooper, uh, but the Jedi don't, so I like the actual cliffhanger vibe of it as well. And then the final thing for me, big overall reaction, is this whole thing is a bit of a prequel to the Fallen Order video game, right? <laughs> Yeah, uh, absolutely, it is, it, we're, and and it, it it touches on some stuff we eventually see in Rebels as well. When you look back and you go, oh yeah, look at that, yeah, yeah, and then also these three, you know, combine at twenty plus minutes each, 22, 24 minutes each. You got to, you got yourself a nice mini movie, man. This is a, this takes you places, <laughs> and uh, when you watch it all in one sitting, uh, you, you feel a little differently. But the cliffhanger aspect, I love the little switch at the end of uh, the second episode and the beginning of the third of. of Cadman escaping, but you are in the conversation, different angle on it. It's really nicely done. Yeah, yeah. Actual good cliffhanger that pays off uh, really well. And I, I think that's a, a thing that we can watch for in the future. What you just said is, uh, is this a great Clone Wars episode or do we have ourselves a movie here? 
right. we put together yeah. these three episodes. And that's that's the goal, right? To have yourself a movie sometimes, and then sometimes a snack. Uh, let's look at the morals of the individual episodes. Uh, the first one is a lesson learned is a lesson earned. Uh, the second is overconfidence is the most dangerous form of carelessness. And the final moral is the first step to correcting a mistake is patience. Uh, did any of those speak to you or your past uh, career as a baseball coach as often comes up when we talk about these morals? Right. It's so weird. I watch Clone Wars for coaching ideas. Uh, yeah, the first one jumped out. It also might be I'm slightly out of practice reviewing the Clone Wars here where, you know, I have to take the whole picture. But this is a this is a good three step, uh, you know, teaching plan here. Right. Um, but I love the first one. It's just a, it's a reminder of the, you know, lesson learned is a, is a lesson earned. It can fit on a bumper sticker, but success is a collection of failures to me sometimes. Uh, it, it is, it is just how, how you get past all those obstacles and uh, the journey forward is built by those lessons. And, and it just, uh, I was like, all right, here we go. And, and I think for, for my money, this, this arc focuses on a lot of the Jedi stuff and, and definitely Anakin always in the center, but uh, you know, it, it serves a more a reminder that Ahsoka is very much central to the Clone Wars story. And in a way it's her story overall, right? When you put all seven seasons down and this is some big, big Ahsoka lessons in it. And, 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 and uh, it all starts in, in, in the first episode, the opening where she makes a mistake, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's really powerful. That's the way this whole arc is framed is the young Padawan making what what is positioned to us as the audience a pretty clear mistake. And then the Jedi kind of saying, hey, you you learned that lesson. You earned to learn that lesson, <laughs> like this moral says. But then it does appear that uh, that the Jedi makes some similar mistakes as we go through. Uh, like overconfidence. Uh, I think for me, I, I like all these morals and I think they tie really well to the individual uh, ideas of the individual episodes. Um, a lesson learned is a lesson earned is is great, but it does for me have a little bit of that. Like, I feel like that could be on a poster with a, you know, a picture of a, a bear lecturing me. <laughs> There's something about it that's very like, uh, did, did I have that poster in second grade? Um, yeah. It's valuable wisdom, but it is that kind of, you know, condensed uh, wisdom. Yeah. Overconfidence one speaks very much to, I think, one of the big ideas in, in this arc and, and the Jedi in the prequel era altogether. I really gravitate toward the first step to correcting a mistake is patience. Uh, these uh, morals uh, over the seven seasons of Clone Wars go all sorts of different places. And uh, and sometimes they, they feel a little like, come on, this is basic information you need to learn as you're growing up. And some of them, to me, are, are a little bit... Uh, uh, bigger uh, and, and deeper. And this is one of the ones that speaks to me because it, it goes to that some of that Last Jedi idea of you, you, it's okay to make mistakes. I mean, a lesson learned is a lesson earned has that. But this idea that you've stumbled and you can find a way to fix it. And in particular, the first step to correcting a mistake is patience. That's, that's just a great way to look at patience because I think often we can see patience as uh, you want something <laughs> and you don't want to get too huffy while you wait. That's what patience is, right? Um, no huffy. No huffy. <laughs> don't get huffy. Uh, or, you know, you know, don't get into a fight. Take a deep breath, you know. But that idea that pa uh, seeing patience is, is something that is proactive in a way that you can recenter yourself and, you know, accept that you made a mistake and then you want to correct it. Well, what's the first step is really stopping and thinking about, where did I make the mistake? Or or maybe it's just, you know, like this is saying, the first step is just to stop and take a deep breath. And, and I feel like that 
moral pays off really well in the whole arc of these three episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good stuff there. Good, good look at it. Uh, and we could probably do most of these uh, re- reviews just on the lessons, but luckily there's oh, some yeah, cool action. Yeah. <laughs> there is some cool action. And so uh, we're going to dive into the big ideas of the episode so we can get to the cool action and comedy moments and canon moments in the second half of the podcast. But first, as we always do, we talk about the big ideas, the big themes. What to you is really at stake over the course of this whole three episode arc, this movie, if you will? Yeah, yeah. Um, so here's where, I don't know, sometimes I go, go off the path and it's, it's my own interpretation, but there's some stuff that I really, in the, in the first episode, some, some quotes, especially when, when Ahsoka is, you know, messing up in the beginning here, there's this line of, uh, they say to Ahsoka, you know, she, you know, you're in trouble, it's not going to go well, you're, you're going to fail, paraphrasing, but then they say to her, you just can't see it. And this lesson of, uh, losing yourself in the moment. And along the way, I think I think Ahsoka is forced to slow down and learn those lessons. Um, you know, the action is breaking out, and 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 she kind of—it's almost like war. Wars not make one great. She's she's doing some great stuff on the battlefield. The heart is there, and I so I took that Joseph, and I look at you know this. There, her small mistake has bigger consequences. Obi Wan actually says the setback on Felucia has uh, affected our efforts on the whole sector. I'm like, I'm looking at this. You talk about things at stake. This is kind of the Jedi that we know them in the prequels. They just—they're so in it with overconfidence, they can't see the trouble all around them. And I, I kind of took that as a, as a, if not, not a big comment on it, but just part of that tapestry of the fall of the Jedi. This is a smaller version. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And I think that's uh, so important that that's the way the arc starts with uh, some lessons of, you know, Jedi overconfidence. But the specific discussion of uh, when Ahsoka apologizes, the lesson that she seems to, to think that she has uh, earned and learned is that she was so focused on her part of the battle that she wasn't seeing the big picture. Mm-hmm. And then I think we see that echoed with the Jedi's attempt to catch up with, uh, with Cad Bane and to catch up with the plot. And then uh, as you're saying that absolutely echoes out to that's kind of the Jedi's problem throughout the entire clone wars. And they know it up to a point, you know, Yoda and Mace Windu and the Jedi council are aware that, there is another Sith Lord somewhere and there is a malignant point to all this, but we can't see the big picture and we're just fighting each little battle and we're just justifying each little uh, battle, each little skirmish. And, you know, the the Jedi as a whole needed to try to learn the lesson that it feels like Ahsoka learned. And yeah. very interesting that then later in that first episode, uh, Ahsoka seems to really make the choice to be like, I'm just going to concentrate on my part of it and not, not worry about the big picture and have kind of like faith that the other Jedi are handling the big picture that, you know, she doesn't run at first. She doesn't want to work in the archives, right? Mm -hmm. She thinks it's going to be boring, but then she just deals with her problem in the archives. She doesn't try to guess what's happening. She doesn't try to rush out because she thinks something else is more important is happening elsewhere. She kind of learns that the lesson to focus and take care of what's right in front of her which is interesting because they have the, I think these, uh, they're both wise, right? Just take care of what's in front of you and, and trust that other people are, are working on the big picture. But then there's also the more big picture idea of, of you, you can't really address your problem unless you understand it entirely. Yeah. It's, it's exactly like a baseball game, Joseph. You're right. You just said it. You can only worry about your bad at that moment, but you gotta be part of the team. No, okay. you gotta be aware of it. Is Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, it is. It is. It is. 
Yeah, I think for me, the, the a couple of the big ideas and the one that you're really tapping into uh, that comes out of all three episodes ultimately is just the simple knowledge is power, uh, which sounds simple, but it's it's sure. important to Jedi, right? I mean, Yoda says, you know, the Jedi should only use the force for knowledge and defense. And, you know, I think we often focus on the defense because we, we see that in combat and we can, uh, you know, evaluate of was the Jedi acting in defense or were they attacking? But right. the knowledge part of it is that's all about the big picture, right? And it's really powerful that Anoka's, uh, Ahsoka's initial uh, failure on Felucia is that lack of knowledge. Um, and then everything that flows from this is really about knowledge. The The holocron is, you know, a repository of knowledge and a symbol of knowledge. And the archives are highlighted as being a place of, of knowledge. Um, I want to talk about this a little bit more, but I think throughout it, Bane's ability to beat the Jedi is because he clearly knows them he knows their weaknesses in combat he knows their weaknesses in uh mindset the reason he even has a chance at this is because Sidious gives him a bunch of information about the temple um I, I think this gets reflected again in the sort of morality and limits of the Jedi mind trick that that is a way to get knowledge but is it the right way uh and then a lot of it comes together for me that Palpatine's actual plan is about knowledge the whole the whole reason for this is knowledge that he wants to kidnap these children uh and as he says i foresee an army of force talented spies in my service trained in the dark side to peer into every corner of the galaxy from afar yeah. his whole plan is just if i know more about what's going on in the galaxy then no one can possibly stop me if i know the bigger picture better than any group of jedi meditating uh, then I can always win. And then I think it's really significant that, and at the end of the arc, after Anakin and Ahsoka have messed up, uh, uh, kind of take turns making mistakes, right. uh, they can they only manage to figure out where Cad Bane hid the children and, and like really resolve the plot mm. when they're put out of action. Uh, the first step uh, to correct a mistake is patience. They're not out there running around with lightsabers trying to make a big difference. And they're just calmly studying the ship and using just basic knowledge. And that is what wins the day is knowledge. Yeah. And, and when you when you kind of pull out, right, when you, they're forced to, but you, you know, you're not in that forest. Uh, now you see the trees, that old little saying too. And all, all the, all the p- poster inspirations are coming into play in Clone Wars. But yeah, I, I actually really love that scene. It was fun as a fan, you know, and, and, and you can have the, the, the connection there with Mustafar uh, forthcoming there. Um, but it, it, fun to see them, like you said, just the, the, it is a, it is a lesson in life where sometimes we are, we are, we are timed out <laughs> and you're, you're in detention in the library and, and you can uh, take that breath of the moment. And I think it's, it's very important. Like you're pointing out that that's kind of how it all begins to be solved. And when the Jedi can do that, um, and you kind of see it later on with when they're all kind of, the four of them are, are meditating, uh, Kenobi, Yoda, and, uh, Mason Anakin, like when it's, I really love that scene. I'm just like, I'm slowing down. And what do you feel? Yeah. Working together and reaching out and, and sharing knowledge and trusting knowledge. I absolutely love that scene. Um, and it's a great contrast to the Jedi mind trick, um, where they are mm-hmm. pushing a little bit harder than they know they should in that great shot of Ahsoka seeming a little troubled by it you know ah- ahsoka is so the the ultimate champion of compassion in this era and it's great to see her have 
parts of this episode where she gets a little full of herself or even like, I want to take <laughs> Cad Bane mm-hmm. down myself. Uh, and then to see her have that that little chink uh, in the armor of doubt of, oh, man, that, that seems like they're really hurting him. That doesn't seem like we should be doing that. So mm-hmm. that's a, a great contrast to the that peaceful uh, four Jedi meditation that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and, and they play on nicely on the attack of the clones, Anakin, kind of the Russian in, and he's now he's even the one going, no, we'll, we'll take them together. He's almost <laughs> quoting, him, quoting himself, or quoting Obi-Wan. Uh, and again, a reminder, she's got the skill, she's got the desire, as all all Jedi do, but, uh, you know, it was revaluable to visit that concept, but through her eyes, and what you just pointed out is another, through Ahsoka's eyes, and how valuable and key she is, and center, centered she is in the Star Wars story. Yeah, yeah. So what other ideas or notes did you jot down? Um, oh, God, you know what? I was like, oh, I got one. Wait, we just talked about it. Jedi being able to solve more problems by taking their time is sensing everything out there. Um, again, I, I just really like that. He talked about how Jedi go about doing things and, and then also looking at the fall of the Jedi that we are in the middle of experiencing in the prequels. And it's uh, you and I have that, uh, you know, you, you, I will say you're the leader of the justice for Jedi movement. And I am, uh, <laughs> uh bringing snacks to the, the, uh, meeting that we have every week about it. Um, it's, it's important to, I, 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 they, you know, the, it came from within. There's a lot of that too, by the way, I love, uh, you just made me think of something else I, I love about this arc is, is, is you mentioned the knowledge and Palpatine and Hey, when you got, you know, a politician showing you blueprints of how to get around that, that that's going to help you. And Cad Bane gets in there. But it really is a the Jedi are being destroyed from within type of thing for me. Um, yeah. and a lesson that the so they have to kind of quiet down and look in and see what they sense and feel. So, anyways, I, I know going back to that scene where they're all meditating, I thought it was a real powerful scene. Fun, you get planets, oh, Glee and Selm, yeah, 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 Val. Uh-huh. But, but then you know, just to see these four powerful all star Jedi uh, working together in a different way than we see them in other other uh, parts of Star Wars during this era, I, that's what stood out for me and part of the part of the lesson. Yeah, yeah, and I think for me, for the kind of justice for the Jedi, part of that, where that's coming from, is I think they, they do make so many mistakes, but I can kind of relate to the mistakes. Um, Sidious is such a master puppeteer, and, and he knows that they're doing this at some point, right? They're all they're calmly meditating and, and looking for answers, trying to, to feel through the Force, not even just literally, you know, who's a Sith? Like, like not, not just like they're unmasking him like Scooby-Doo, but like... Right trying to understand the big picture. I'm sure they are trying to understand the big picture, but he keeps sending them in weird directions. Like them not being able to know what this plan was. Like, Mm -hmm. obviously it makes sense that somebody would want to uh, destroy the future of the Jedi by taking these children. But why did they take them to this lab on Mustafar? What were those robots for? There's, he's so good at jerking them around and confusing them that I, I think sometimes I really have justice for the Jedi where I feel like they didn't make a mistake. They just got bested. And sometimes you get bested. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I think this is a great example of, of them making mistakes, but also Sidious, you know, uh, besting them. Yeah. 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 No. And, 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 and besting them and, and, and having a discussion with a, with a friend of mine over the summer over some real life issues, but just like, you know, um, the, the, Palpatine knew how to defeat them from within in, in the sense of not playing them on themselves, but just like uh, he he's the Phantom Menace for a reason. And, and it's, and it helps, it helps to be reminded of that. He's, he's good at what he does until, uh, you know, until he isn't, <laughs> but yeah, and exactly. that's why I love him for. it really is one of the, especially after season one of Clone Wars, 
uh, this is what I felt. I feel is like some of the best Palpatine stuff in the Clone Wars of just like, oh, that's right. He is a dark Sith Lord too, doing dark Sith Lordy things. And that's part of what uh, the, this battle is about, whether the Jedi are fully aware or not. Even yeah, I mean, one of the best just like absolute from like a literal fairy tale, creepy wizard moments for uh, Palpatine Sidious when the, his hologram is leaning over the kid in the cradle. <laughs> Good, stop crying. <laughs> it's yeah. so creepy. It is like straight out of like Hansel and Gretel type, you know, fairy mm-hmm. tale, you know. Well, um, he has a line, sorry, yeah, he has a line that uh, among the children of the Jedi that are now innocents, because he's saying it, he's saying it to to Cad Bane, who for, Cad Bane for a second has a heart. He's like, "What are you doing with children? I mean, I don't care. Just pay me. But what are you doing?" <laughs> and I, I, and that's very you mentioned fairy tale. It is it is the you know wicked witch of of the of Mustafar. <laughs> yeah, no, children of the Jedi that are now innocents. Whoa. Yeah, that that's uh, I, I had written that down uh, at the end of the notes in case it didn't come up anywhere else because I wanted to talk about that, which it, it's just a great insight into we always see Sidious as the master, you know, uh, uh, puppeteer and uh, planner. And we know that he has anger and that he wants to unleash it. We get to see flashes of that. But knowing that he truly believes that, that he believes if you're born with an affinity to the light side, that that's disgusting. Mm-hmm. And you, you've already, you know, in his view, uh, sort of violated the natural order of things. If you're an infant who has a natural inclination to the light, <laughs> you know, because he, he's not he's not playing politics in that moment. You know, he's not he's not saying what Cad Bane needs to hear. He's just saying, like, oh, by the way, this is one of my horrible beliefs. <laughs> yeah. It's really yeah, creepy, yeah. and I I love Bane going. Sure, sure, whatever. <laughs> Just Bane, yeah, yeah, yeah. The redemption of Cad Bane. We need that poem. Uh, no, uh, yeah, no. You're right. It, it, again, he, Palpatine is this uh, multifaceted threat. He's got skills up and down, man. And and the, but at the center of it is this and this. And it was just a good, uh, like I said, good reminder to be like, oh, that's right. He's he's definitely evil. Oh yeah, definitely super evil. Uh, one of the other like big ideas that I, I wanted to be sure to address because I think you know it, it's right there in one of the morals, and I think it is how the the Jedi actually do screw up and make mistakes in this whole arc is that idea of overconfidence. You know, it's a big one uh, in Star Wars storytelling and morality. The mor- moral overconfidence is the most dangerous form of carelessness, but we just see it. I mean, Ahsoka thinking she's winning the battle on Felucia. Um, the, Cad Bane has this, you know, big picture of uh, of misdirection that the Jedi can't see. And we get to see in that first episode, uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin very quickly make the assumption that he's after the, you know, troop movement information in the East Tower Communication Center. And it, it really is them being overconfident that they are correct about what he's after and mm-hmm. being blinded by the war in like, of course, that's the big thing going on. So of course that's what he's after instead of they don't take any time to stop and, you know, try to uh, sense him like Yoda senses uh, his presence right. and right. has those little flashes, but you know, he's really able to wrap them around uh, his little Duros bounty hunter finger because they're overconfident in their knowledge of what he is. He is up to um, right. another great moment of overconfidence where well, actually, a moment. I think the whole second episode is really about Anakin's overconfidence and gets mm-hmm. uh, pointed out by Yularen in fun and funny ways. But that the moment that really jumped out to me is when Ahsoka suggests, you know, the great Jedi thing of let it go. Uh, if we just get off the ship, the holocron 
might actually be destroyed. And Anakin responds that he wants to return it to the library personally, which is such ego, such overconfidence of like, I don't want to just resolve the problem. I want to walk in with a smug smile and go, here you go, Jocasta New, which is just total overconfidence. Uh, You mentioned the great uh, Anakin saying, you know, we'll take him together while Ahsoka is being overconfident and and gets zapped and taken uh, prisoner by Bane because she's like, ah, you're not that impressive. Um, It's okay, you know, has to yell patience at Anakin (laughs) to stop him going after Cad Bane because, again, it's that overconfidence that that Anakin, I think, these are the moments where he's like, I am really powerful. Whatever the chosen one thing is about, I'm I'm super powerful and yeah. uh, and overconfident. And 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 he admits to it. You know, Ahsoka apologizes at the end of that episode. He's like, "No, start to finish, is my bad." Paraphrasing, Anakin doesn't say "my bad," but even Mason Obi Wan falling into Bane's trap of mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a little bit like we we need to we need to follow him. We need to find the holocron. We need to you know we know it's a trap, but we need to play it out. But they still fall into Bane's trap. So a, a lot of moments of, of overconfidence. Overconfidence. Which is, as you've heard before in Star Wars, their weakness. <laughs> it is. Any other uh, big ideas for you that you wanted to discuss? No, 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 no. Uh, I, there's a lot of, uh, in these three episode arcs, the action and everything kind of really kind of informs a lot of my uh, opinions and, and, and where I get a lot of the joy from the episode. So uh, feel, feel free to move on though, uh, but fun. And again, it, it was fun going back to the Clone Wars report and being like, oh, all right, deep breath, three themes to combine to one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the only other big picture idea that I really wanted to touch on quickly and get your thoughts on is just the sort of why of Cad Bane is a badass, you know, not just because oh, he looks cool no. and he's got a deep voice, but I like that this episode really uh, demonstrates that he knows the Jedi's limits and he's great at distraction. Um so he his first move in a in a in a couple different combat uh, situations. Well, first he just tries to stay out of combat with them, but the second that he gets in combat with them, he disarms their lightsabers. You know, and he knows that that's their go to. So the second they lose their lightsabers, they're just a little bit off their game because they're used to having that be their first move. Um, he knows their their tactics in their mindset. He is constantly uh, putting others in jeopardy. Uh, trying to have other things go on to distract them. You know, he knows about the connection between the Padawan and the master, you know, and it, he has that level of knowledge. Uh, I love it when he says, uh, isn't negotiation the Jedi way? He kind of mocks yeah. them of like, what are you going to do? Torture me? Uh, he truly knows the Jedi philosophy as well as their limitations. You know, he's got that uh, the special Jedi binders that he puts on Ahsoka and, and calls them special Jedi binders. He's like, I know how you think. I know how you act and i just loved it that it's not just like he's good with a blaster so he can take it to a jedi his whole thing is knowledge is power along with lots of weapons but knowledge first yeah playing playing their moral center against himself that's uh that's a good template to well i you know not defeat the jedi but to get get a leg up at times yeah does does, do you still enjoy him and see him as this great badass when his first move is for the most part try to avoid having a fight with the jedi <laughs> or does that just make him cool and calculated and smart to you yeah no smart that is uh that is absolutely um no one win to fight and no one when you can put you know no one we can get the win or when you can get the loss it's okay to walk away to fight another day no that makes me respect more he is a complete picture um not, not comparing him against any other bounty hunter or that kind of character in star wars but that's Going back to his debut in broadcast form, and, and this is something I 
when I was writing about it uh, for the book, like uh, I, I, you almost get confused. You're like, okay, wait a minute. Am I, that's right. I did see him first going to uh, the, the Senate chambers and the whole, that whole thing. Right. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Put it down. Like that's really impressive because, because he's, he's killing people, uh, which is something in Clone Wars at the time. Like you're like, Oh, I thought this was like the Jar Jar Binks, you know, mm-hmm. yoinks show uh, and, and enjoy and like, Oh, he comes along and, you kind of like what really the cowboy hat, but it's it's how we knew how to get in there and how we knew how to at every step away. It's just a complete picture as a, as a villain for me in the underworld, where other times there's a lot of just brute force. I, I can't imagine Dengar's got his <laughs> abilities, you know. And, and so yeah, that, and that's one of the reasons you like it. Then the design, the voice, everything that you might at least I question in the beginning really goes away. It's not a cowboy joke or an old west joke. He 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 becomes his own thing because a lot of what you're describing, I love when he taught, you know, the negotiation thing. I I love, we can talk about um, uh, the, the death in this, in this arc here, the uh, master Opal's death is is really affecting and really brutal. And not that I'm rooting for him to brutally kill Jedi or characters, but it's just, just makes you kind of pay attention. It's something different. And and that's why I like him. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think even his killing of poor master Bola Ropal is, is a moment of overconfidence from Bane where mm-hmm. the droids are like, don't, you can't turn it to 11 or whatever the, <laughs> the torture level was. And he's like, I don't care, you know? And, and he gets, yeah. he gets a dead Jedi master and a really disturbing moment in the Clone Wars. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, no, no. Yeah. Well, I, I might address later. There, there was another one of the featurettes too, where Filoni was talking about uh, that moment and just needing it and needing it for the story, but also just the, how they shot it and how they changed things around, including the droid stuff. We'll talk about them. I'm sure. But, yeah, it, it's affecting. It's it's pretty brutal, and, and you don't see that a lot uh, in Star Wars. You know, at that time, you know, uh, yes, we got Sith, we got you know, Empire Strikes Back, hands cut off. But I don't know. It's it's it kind of in your face that this Jedi is dying. Yep, there is no ambiguity about that. He is dead. Even the battle droids are sad. Um, any you you mentioned how this is just kind of a in in some ways a little summary of the failure of the Jedi. Any other big picture connections to larger Star Wars themes or storytelling? Um, nothing I made note of here, but I, I also some of the, it's it's great to mention it uh, later on. But uh, just seeing the the relationship between Yularen, Anakin, Jedi, and Republic, and and. Uh, are they in, in, in lock sync as, as it, it seems on t- at times it's it just a uh, part of the bigger picture of what ends up happening for me too. Yeah, that was the, there's definitely lots of little canon connections that we'll talk about, but the one that was like really felt big picture to me in the, in the ongoing pursuit of uh, if not justice for the Jedi, understanding why they fell. I love it when this gets highlighted, there was this uh, conversation where Obi-Wan said, uh, tell him, meaning Palpatine, this is not Republic business. It's an internal Jedi affair. And Anakin comes back with, a, I'm sorry to disagree, but as long as the Jedi are acting as a military, we should report to the Chancellor, even on internal matters such as this. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's such a big part of the successful manipulation of the Jedi by Palpatine is getting the Jedi order to tie themselves more closely to the Republic. You know, mm-hmm. even in, in Light of the Jedi, spoilers uh, for five seconds for those who haven't read it, uh, there's a, a that quick passage about how yeah the Jedi help but they do their they help the Republic but they do their own thing and how much Palpatine was able to strip that of them I love when the Clone Wars reminds us that that's a big part of the failure. Yep, yep, all all wrapped up in a, in some witty uh, banter and battling between Yularen and. <laughs> 
<laughs> exactly. All right, with that, we are going to take a quick break, and we will be back to discuss action and comedy and fun canon moments and all sorts of great stuff like that. We will be back in just a moment. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Four Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Four Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. 
Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138. And we are back. So we're going to discuss the action moments first, Ken. Uh, I think there's some there's some good action moments in this, you know, with Cad Bane and all. What were some of your your favorite moments of uh, thrilling Star Wars action in this arc? Really, uh, tiny one first. Uh, there's some some bigger sequences. That a tiny action moment in the opening of the first episode in the arc. They do a cutback down to Felucia on top of the uh, crawler, on top of the, uh, the the transport. There, Ahsoka is doing backflips. <laughs> like a gymnast and it's this little shot she's just like boop, boop, and she does a backflip and like deflects a shot and it's not even close you, it's up you just you camera maybe i think even panning in or pushing in and uh i was just like damn ahsoka's got skills like i back i can't do it you know i used to take tumbling i was four i couldn't do a you know a forward somersault without hurting myself uh here she is back flipping and fighting uh fighting off blasters i i just love that little moment yeah, I mean, that opening with Ahsoka is really like, yeah, you know, this her skills are not the problem at all. It is, you know, her power is not the po- uh, the problem. Her, you know, athletics are not the problem. It's seeing the big picture. So that's that's a great one. Uh, what are some others? Uh, for the second episode, I just love the whole sequence with the, uh, the walkers in space. Just from the, hey, we can take those ATTEs, uh, uh, right? And I think at one point, uh, Clone says, uh, calls them an ATAT, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. Controversial. Um, I love that. And then dropping them, it's just, uh, it, it, which is weird because it actually has, I'll mention later on one of the things I actually, years later, still hate in Star Wars. But um, <laughs> the whole sequence, it's very, it's, it's very what I want out of the Clone Wars and what even the movie uh, which was one of the first things we see that we talked about the the the, the temple scene and, and the walkers going up and everything like that is part of the pew 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 fun we want and I love that sequence too and I just love that it starts with like you Lauren going no no they're gonna do it yeah and I love that bit of it's funny but it it in the planning of it it really emphasizes Anakin's like I'm going to find a way to do this there's that great moment with Rex where he's like uh, I don't we don't have any way to do this and. <laughs> And it can just glares at him and Rex is like, okay, right. We'll find a way. Okay. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I, I love that. Um, for me, one of the, in the first episode, I really liked the lightsaber fight with a uh, fake Jocasta new, even though it was fake Jocasta new, it's still cool yeah. to see uh, the lightsaber, uh, the uh, Claudite uh, changeling Cato Parasiti. <laughs> uh in particular, you talked about the backflips. I love the role that Ahsoka does on fake Jocasta News back. And then uh, she's confused about where Ahsoka is for just a second. This great blend of action and comedy and, and Ahsoka really using her athletic ability and her smaller stature to confuse her opponents is just fun. Uh, 
the the shot of the ATTEs uh, just dropping down is really awesome, really cool. But I love the no gravity hangar fight. Uh, that was just some great uh, Star Wars cool pew pew pew. I really yeah. like the uh, the heavy clone uh, <laughs> walking upside down, firing way more than they should. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's great. And in that one shot of Anakin finally making contact with Cad Bane and kicking him, and he flips, and it's mm-hmm. you know pulled back and it's you know slowed down because of the no gravity yeah. it's really got a, that vibe it's framed like a little renaissance uh painting <laughs> of you know the kick <laughs> when anakin kicks cad bane and yeah. zero gravity and they both flip and float i uh, really like that yeah i i i know i noted that sequence too it's it's great because you kind of you sense it coming right because he says you know cad bane kind of you know tells him to turn off the gravity and so you're like oh, oh oh here we go it's like a you know tom cruise mission impossible movie but it, it it becomes something else too when i think one of the first clones that gets cut and just the immediately uh, the way the, the body the pieces just float away it's it's like it's it's it is like an art piece like you just said just the whole sequence um it was really nicely done and uh, it stands out to me yeah it's it's weird when you can celebrate beautiful violence but that's kind of what it yeah. is the battle droid parts just kind of floating away yeah it's really uh disturbing and beautiful and fun all at the same time uh another one for me just a small one uh from the third episode is uh, Obi-Wan throwing that grappling hook to try to catch Bane instead of doing a force jump. Uh, it doesn't do Obi-Wan any good because he doesn't get there in time. Uh, but I think for me, it's uh, the reason I wrote it down is there had been that discussion when the prequels first came out and they kind of had their utility belts like uh, Batman and Robin. And that was you know one of the very long list of people uh, from our generations of assumptions that we had about the jedi that we they're it's just a lightsaber in their mystical robes mm-hmm. and they don't have you know a, a jedi orang like batman has a batarang and grumble 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 and i i was a, i tilted a little bit toward that but yeah. i also just thought <laughs> i i just thought all the accessories were cool and i just like jedi stuff so it, for me it was just seeing that was like yeah obi-wan with a grappling hook it was a nice yeah. moment for me to reflect on any bias I had against them having utility belts full of practical tools is gone. Yeah. I was happy to see Obi-Wan throw a grappling hook. Uh, I also just like, I, that's great stuff, by the way. I, I also just love, uh, you know, Mason Kenobi teaming up. Uh, I, I, it's an underrated uh, team uh, out there in the field. I like, I like seeing that when it happens. And, and yes, it does happen a lot in Clone Wars, but it's especially during this uh, time when you're seeing it for the first time. Like, you know, you, you didn't see Kenobi and Mace fighting back to back a ton in the movies, you know? No, no, no. Just fighting for their lives for a second. And yeah. Geonosis is there. Yeah. Anything else on your action list? I got one more, but I want to make sure that we hear you all yours. Yeah, no, same. It might. It, I wonder if it's the same. I, I, I'd love, and it's over the second and third episode, but uh, mostly in, in the beginning of the third, it, it was Cad Bane's escape disguising himself as a clone and everything that, that vicious gut, meat of the gut to Ahsoka. Um, it is one of those, it's just kind of cool and like, oh, Cad Bane, he's a smart cat. He really goes all out to, you know, actually have his body, you know, I think probably putting the clone in his clothes and, you know, tricking him into thinking he killed uh, Cad Bane. Uh, so it's just, it's just, it's kind of, it's kind of uh, just a cool sequence for me. Uh, almost like you mentioned Noir stuff, but it's almost kind of like a, a usual suspects or some kind of, what a twist at the end. And I just, I just really liked it. I thought, I thought it was nicely done. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I totally agree. And, like, yeah, them seeing from a distance that shot and seeing what appears to be Cad Bane falling, yeah. Just the, the brutality of it and the, the cleverness of it is all great. And also, I, I had forgot this one. You know, the fact that he's bleeding his different colored blood 
which is probably from Ahsoka really taking it to him, which I did like. I like that he beat her, but he only beat her because he's fought Jedi a bunch and he knows they're a little bit overconfident and he's got the zapper up his sleeve. But Mm -hmm. when she does manage to get a hold of him, she just pounds him. (laughs) <laughs> like yeah. brutally, right? There's the there's the crunch, and he's in real pain. So I, I, I again, it was great action, like you're saying, to tell the story. Mm-hmm. And the story of Cad Bane is, you know, deflect and distract the Jedi as much as possible. Uh, and because if they get real close to you, they're gonna hurt you real bad. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. And yeah. and he still makes his way through. Um, the last one for me was the the uh, rescue of the younglings on Mustafar. Um. Mm-hmm. It, yep. Just in terms of Star Wars weirdness, creepiness, you know, I, I like that those, you know, appear to be kind of medical droids. But then when uh, Anakin and Ahsoka get there, they're holding the younglings, uh, which makes you nervous. And then just they're punching robots, holding children, <laughs> those little arms swinging is yeah. really frightening. And that final beat of Anakin rescuing the the Rodian youngling, looking into his uh, big, you know, strange Rodian eyes. And it's a cool action move that he does the, you know, force pushes or force pulls the roadie into him and, and jumps off uh, the, the droid. Uh, but it's just, it's kind of powerful, sad inversion of Revenge of the Sith, right? Of here he is on Mustafar desperately rescuing a youngling. And, you know, in the many, many uh, memories that are going through his mind when he's uh, crying on Mustafar in Revenge of the Sith, is that one of them of remembering when he, he was here on this planet desperately saving younglings instead of what he just did. What about a cub? Yeah, it could, it could work out. I, I like the Mustafar setting. We can talk about it in a second, but uh, yeah, it'll work for me there. And that's a great sequence. Yeah, a, a big final. We talk about this being a little film. There's a big, giant third act set piece, and, and it worked very well. Yeah, absolutely terrifying. All right, so let, let's move on to moments of comedy or whimsy or weirdness. What do you have for that? What did I, okay, uh, uh, <laughs> I, I, I bro- broken down by episode. Um, uh, little quotes, Obi-Wan saying, uh, you know, what he, Anakin asked, you know, what's going on with Ahsoka? She's following your teachings, Anakin. Is she winning? <laughs> um, come on, you can't deny the power of Kit Fisto's smile. I mean. <laughs> and it's real quick, isn't it? It's real quick. Uh, when uh, the other bounty hunter, the Claudites, uh, you know, uh, infiltrating the library and changes into Jocasta do and, and Bane, you know, what, what, what's going on with your voice? And then the quote is, change your plans. I'm the librarian now. I'm like, that is, that's kind of like how you become a librarian. Our, our friend Chris is a, is a librarian. I think his family, he was doing comedy and graphic design. He was like, change your plans. I'm the librarian now. And that, I think that's how you become a librarian. Sometimes it just happens to you, right? You know, a wild weekend and you wake up on Monday, you're a librarian now. <laughs> no, that, that line is great. What else you got? Uh, Going into the second episode, uh, the whole Yularen and Anakin, I call it the sitcom. Uh, I love the Yularen line, uh, you know, oh, so it's your usual version of success. Uh, yeah, and again, I, 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 it's fun. It's totally headcanon, and I just, you know, as I stares at my Yularen action figure that uh, uh, first-rate Nate uh, gifted oh. up here, um, uh, you know, as, as Yularen grows in the Empire and is on the Death Star, and he's looking at, it's like, does he ever, because I don't think he knows, but does he ever look at Vader and go, gosh, he walks like talks upsets me like is that is that so yeah i mean if he's on the bridge and vader is doing the exact same hands behind the back like how could you learn not be like come on 
Of course. Yeah. Of course. Looking <laughs> over at Tarkin and Tarkin's just like, mm, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, it, as Tarkin kind of goes through the same things, by the way, along in, in, in the Tarkin book by Lucino, there is those kind of things of Tarkin like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, um, it, it, that, that's a, such a great connection between Anakin and Vader of, you know, in some yeah. moments fulfilling the similar role. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the other ones, I, I, we, we talk about the whole uh, the, the, the torturing of, of, of Master Rapal, uh, which is is a very effective, like I said, very effective. But you can't deny it, some of the great weird comedy just and, and, and I'll mention that feature ad again in Filoni, but he talks about, too, like we have the droids. We change their voice, their tone. and It's just are the droids sad? Are the droids looking into themselves saying, what are we doing here? Just with the one like, we've lost all his vital signs. He's dead. <laughs> like, what yeah. The, the line I wrote down is he is no longer functioning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want it from a certain point of view story about that particular droid. <laughs> well, what's your, what's your, I think this uh, falls under the category of whimsy and weirdness. What yeah. is your head canon for where that sadness is coming from? Is it their own increasing awareness that they are uh, built to uh, die? <laughs> that they are built to be shattered by Jedi? It, why yeah. are they sad for this Jedi? Yeah, it, 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 I. it's not so much that it's maybe, it's, it's are they seeing themselves? Because a little bit later you have the one droid going, go uh, it's on my list as well, but I hate this job. And, and you know, and then they're, and they're like, I got a case of the Mondays, but then the one who's just like, I'm not the commander. And so then the, the clone and the other one goes like, I'm the commander. So they shoot the commander. And then that droid goes, I guess I'm the commander now. And then is shot, which is this little joke, but it's also the death trap of the pursuit of power. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a lesson of, I don't have the power. Boom. Well, I guess I have the power. Boom. So the droids, maybe there's some kind of uh, awakening. You know, maybe there's some kind of awakening. And so to see this, this can't be good. We're, we're built to die. I don't want them to die. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Just that idea of like really having to face it. The, uh, the idea of suddenly no longer functioning. Uh, there's that great moment too, where I believe uh, Anakin is rushing uh, the bridge. And like, there are only three of us. Like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> there's some really depressing uh, battle droids in this. It's interesting as the second season cuts, you know, kicks off and we are moving towards a decrease in that kind of wacky droid yeah. humor. Uh, and this is feels like transitioning into there is some wacky droid humor, but a little bit on the darker side. Yeah. 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 What did Filoni say in the video of why they made that choice then of, of changing the droids voices just to give it more weight or to treat it as something solemn? Yes. Yeah. 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 That which so there's a little bit of unintentional comedy and the way they approach it, maybe that's there as well, but no, that, that was part of the choice of Eve. You know, it's so bad. Like even the droids are changed a little bit and, and we presented them a different way. Um, mm. and, and you know, that, that was a conscious, very conscious decision. Yeah. That's great to, to make sure that, you know, for the kids mm. who are watching uh, back in the day or in the future on Disney plus that this is, you know, a life lost and that is a thing yep. to take seriously. It's yeah. Powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah, a lot of great comedy in lines for this. And, and I think the comedy style of the Clone Wars is really uh, developing and there are still some kind of uh, bigger, louder uh, comedy lines. And I think some more subtle ones. I really liked in the first episode where Ahsoka is clearly chafing uh, against having to be on what she is at the time perceiving as boring guard duty in the archives. And she says, guard duty for how long? And Mace Window responds, longer now. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just such a Mace is always entertaining because he's so severe. But that is such a great like uh, dad line, you know, mm-hmm. like or mm-hmm. you know more authoritative parent across the board of like, well, since you sassed me twice as long. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think uh, a lot of parents watching are probably like, uh huh, mm-hmm, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, another line I liked uh, early early in the episode, uh, just because I always do darkly like it when the battle droids scream, uh, when one of the ships is falling apart, the Separatist ships, and they're, uh, a droid is trying to say Roger, Roger, and it turns into a scream as the droid falls. Roger, Roger! You do a super cut of all the droids fall into their doom in the Clone Wars. Why? Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. And then my final one was also from the uh, great uh, Yalarn exchanges. I think this was from the beginning of the third episode uh, where Anakin is yelling, like, lock down all the hyperspace rings. And Yalarn responds, what could possibly have happened since I last spoke with you? (laughs) That was really good. Yes. Yes. It just it captures that relationship where he's just like this sort of hmm, proper. I've, I've I've brushed my mustache seven times today because everything could be in order, but somehow whenever Anakin is around, there's just chaos constantly. <laughs> Love that. Love that. Um, yeah, super great. One Any other line. moments? Yeah, yeah. yeah one final line. I, I had it down because I enjoyed it, but it was also a question for you. Uh, when Kenobi and Mace are uh, uh, teaming up there, there, Kenobi stuff goes wrong, and Kenobi says, "You certainly stepped in it this time." I'm like, has he Dan, ever this is a spoiler. That? What's yeah. that? Has he ever no, said that? No, no. Has, has he? I don't think that is a uh, like a, a repeat line from Kenobi. <laughs> it's t- I don't think that's in his catchphrase list with, you know, hello there and Anakin. Look, it's it, this isn't a hold on. I, I so enjoyed it, but it's it's along with the uh, big ass door debate or, you know, modern. I just like I it's it so stood out to me of just like. Is he a 1940s detective? I mean, we got that in Act of Clones, so maybe it works. But just like you certainly stepped in it this time, you see. I just, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> uh, well, this is a spoiler. It's the only thing I have listed in my things I questioned or disliked about this episode. <laughs> uh, you know, it's this slow transition in the style of of humor for the Clone Wars and for Star Wars, and and we talk about it a lot there's always going to be wacky humor in star wars that's a part of it that's it emanates from lucas that's i think his a yeah. part of his personal sense of humor of liking the, the more wacky humor but i think the fact that it's a literal pun of that mace windu had just stepped into you know a beam and tripped the security yeah. beam i i think i would have been fine with it if you know uh, mace hadn't actually stepped on something so it wasn't a pun <laughs> but the literal like you stepped in it get it mace get it <laughs> yeah pun puns are my least favorite form of humor in the world so i'm right there with you on that question yeah. whole picture of it but just the line itself yes okay that's great we'll, we'll, do, we'll do an essay think piece on that one yeah yeah i understand that o- obi-wan uh, in many of the jedi but obi-wan in particular likes to use a little bit of uh, humor and uh, snark to uh, to handle the tension of a situation but that one was like a, a little bit on the nose uh, obi-wan <laughs> yeah. Yeah. get your writers to punch that one up for the next time somebody steps into a, a security beam is is my advice <laughs> i'm sorry for so viciously attacking this episode of star wars yeah. by Yes, yes. By being unhappy with one line from my Are you angry in your car right now. It's, it's, it's. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, let's move on then to uh, bits of canon and connection to other stories. Uh, what uh, what jumped out at you? What did you write down? 
Yeah. So for me, this is one of the first times, and I was kind of researching a little bit, uh, and I think they do in, in some of the behind, behind the scenes stuff kind of touch on it too. So, but I'm not a hundred percent, um, uh, sure on this, but for me, this was one of the first times I felt I was really just kind of meant to pay attention and was aware of a Jedi holocron, you know, mm-hmm. like, and it, you could, anyone could show me 15 examples of where it popped up before in canon or legends or whatever. I, I, for me, this was like, what is, what is this now? A little box of magic? What, what do they got? And, and I, and now it's so commonplace. It's something we're so aware of. It's, it's, it's a key to a lot of little star Wars stories and I enjoy it. And I like it. There was not, it's not a resistance thing. It was just like going back, looking, watching this now, like this is for me was like, Oh, uh, you know, the, the starting point of, of Jedi holocrons and Sith holocrons being part of the story. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I feel like I didn't honestly take the time to to look up the exact history of the holocron, but it definitely feels like to me like okay, it's fine. Holocron has done some had some small character cameo roles other place, but this is its big debut. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> this is holocron uh, that that cements what it is, how important it is, how weird it is, how cool it is, and that you're totally right. It ends up affecting a ton of different Star Wars storytelling. Uh, what else you got on your list? So go, going back to, uh, to uh, the the library battle, but a, a Claudite just showing up is one of the first times for, for a lot of us, again, during this era when it aired, and, and season one does this a lot too, but a Claudite combined with Jocasta New, uh, this is like when those formerly unfamiliar prequels that we all were taking shots at, a lot of because it wasn't what we knew, just mm-hmm. not just in plot or a presentation, but just like new characters. And sometimes you always describe that that great but horrible feeling of every time you turn on a new Star Wars movie book or open a book or a TV show, you're like, I don't know the names of everything. <laughs> and <laughs> it puts us in a weird spot. But a Claudite, Jocasta New, it's suddenly made the prequels those little inside jokes or little inside information or, oh, Zam Wessel is a changelon or Claudite. Uh, oh, that librarian's name is Jocasta New. Suddenly, it was all familiar, and it it puts the prequels because it almost like a little historical context. Like it, no, believe 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 us, the prequels are part of your Star Wars fandom, whether you know it or not. You know that is Jocasta New. You know she appeared here, and now it kind of all feels uh, comforting. Yeah, yeah, it makes it all feel very lived in, and it is very you know mm-hmm. justice for Attack of the Clones because I always liked Jocasta New. I always liked that idea of the library and seeing more of the temple, and I love. I love spending any amount of time in there and, and getting that, you know, uh, it, that information that uh, plays big into the Dooku Jedi Lost uh, audiobook and script of that there are forbidden books in the Jedi archives. And even dangling that, that's some great tip of the iceberg storytelling about the archives of, yeah, Jedi value knowledge. And we lock some of it away because it's that dangerous. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah, okay. Um, a couple of from me, uh, I've been waiting for this. I believe this is our first chronological sighting of Obi-Wan being on the council. Um, mm. And I'm fascinated with that because I, I am, I've been thinking with the Kenobi show coming up, if there are going to be any flashbacks, you know, that's kind of a, a big moment in Obi-Wan's life of when he gets promoted to the council. And, you know, was there any sort of, a story to that or mm-hmm. you know he, he is quite young you know to be on the council and that, that is uh, i think as fans we could just be like yeah yeah no obi-wan he's a great jedi we know yeah so he's on the council now great uh but like for the story of of obi-wan 
you know, this is kind of a big moment and a big time after the events of Attack of the Clones that uh, Anakin is quickly, uh, you know, makes it to Jedi Knight somehow. We don't know that story either. And this is the first time since Obi-Wan became a knight that he doesn't have Anakin as a Padawan and he's immediately thrust into this war and then he's immediately asked uh, this great honor to join the council. And I'm just really intrigued by all that. Mm. I want that story. Yeah. 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 Maybe we'll get it. Maybe we will get it. Uh, Maybe not. (laughs) One never knows. Um, You know, you and I spent a a lot of time in the first season really tracking uh, how much they talk about the nature of the war, that it is not in the first season ambiguous. The first season is mostly about, well, whoever controls the outer rim is going to be able to push in word to the galaxy successfully. And uh, I'm, interested to track that as it goes and I thought that was interesting that the loss of Felucia you know affects everything in the Outer Rim and the Republic is losing mm-hmm. ground and that we get that story in, in one line yeah yeah right there yeah okay I get yeah and then uh, you know that this this is this whole arc is a celebration of Attack of the Clones uh, that really- Jedi holding device the same one that we saw Obi-Wan in um, I, I liked the, learning more about that uh, where when Bane says attached mind limiters pain pulsers and give him a full dose of XC33. Um, don't know exactly uh, what that is, but the mind limiters, uh, pain pulsers make sense, and the mind limiters, that's always what I thought of that uh, that device that, you know, it, it looks different, it looks cool, but I've always been like, well, how, how does that hold a Jedi? Why can't they just, you know, use the Force to, you know, hit, uh, to disable the device in some way? And mm-hmm. that's always kind of been my headcanon, that there's something in that energy that is making it difficult for them to concentrate or, Obviously, the pain pulses are part of how they're they're torturing him. But I, lo- I just love hearing the mind limiters because that makes me think like, OK, is that part of what this device is? Well, and it ties in, you know, uh, in um, season seven, uh, you know, uh, with uh, some, some stuff that they have Maul in, you know, the Mandalorians have ways to fight the Jedi, uh, the Jedi binders, like you said, everything. And it just shows that over over thousands of years, people have been trying to fight these uh, knights and finding different yeah. ways to limit them. And I, and I like that. Including some yeah. stuff, well, there's been some of the light of the Jedi stuff of how you kind of confuse or mess the feelings around them, uh, make them darker. It's just a lot of cool stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got a couple more, but do you have any any others that you wanted to share? Yeah, little tiny lines and everything. Also, the kyber crystals, uh, not so routine back then. This, again, also might have been one of the first times you really kind of hear that term, uh, which for us, you know, the the kyber crystal spelt differently. I think with K A I I, the one from um, Mind uh, Splinter of the Mind's Eye and everything. You kind of grew up with that in the back of your head. It was part of Star Wars lore, but by now it starts to really become something. And the Clone Wars absolutely just takes the concept of the, the kyber crystals and the lightsabers and the gathering, that great arc and all that stuff. So this is one of the first times, again, similar with Jedi Holocron of like, oh uh, yeah, wait a minute, I heard about that. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. There was a time where it was around the edges in Splinter of the Mind's Eye. I think maybe the, one of the first places I saw it was in, you know, the original just Star Wars visual dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> the right. cross section of a lightsaber. But this so brings the, this part of Star Wars that is all about, you know, crystals. Yeah. <laughs> sp- spiritual crystals really brings it uh, to the very forefront. Yeah. A little line. Yeah, little uh, lines, Ahsoka, it's a trap, we'll take them together, we already mentioned, but uh, Anakin um, says a little bit later on in uh, episode three of the Sark, uh, we tore this ship apart. Uh, we know he walks like Vader with his hands behind his back, all those kind of things, but the, 
have these turds of phrases that are just part of what he what he says. You know, impressive, most impressive has already popped up in Clone Wars. But we tore the ship apart. We always joke, but it's like if if Force Center was going to be become a dark side podcast, you you and I would still probably say our little catchphrases that we always <laughs> say. You know, like it's it just who we yeah. are. Uh, so I like that little moment with Anakin. We tore the ship apart. Like, yeah, uh, we would probably still say, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to affirm one another, even if we were evil. Well said. Um, well said. So returning That's to the planet. Awesome. Yeah, well said. Returning to the planet is Naboo, Mustafar. Uh, last, I promised last time I mentioned watching one of those featurettes. I don't watch them for every episode, but um, interesting one. I recommend you all seek out and watch about two and a half minutes of Filoni talking about the return to Mustafar. So this is a big canon connection, big lore connection. We got Revenge of the Sith in the back of our brain. And Filoni admits, and he's a little younger, that cowboy had a little fresher, but he admits fighting with George about this. And mm. says, no, I didn't think anyone should be there. We shouldn't see it. Anakin should not step on that planet till the end, till it matters. And and he tells him, this is an older featurette from several years ago. I think it comes from like the DVD sets. And Filoni says, George told me not to worry about all that. We're, and I'm paraphrasing, but just worry about the story. This is a great ending to this arc. We need this here. This is amazing. This is a great opportunity to use it. Don't worry about all those little details on who stepped set first there or, or Dana can know about it. It's, it's a mining colony. It, you can imagine there's some exporting and importing going there. It's a business. People know this planet. Just don't worry about it. And I thought that was fascinating. It's just, yeah. And Dave kind of say, yeah, I was a fan and I questioned it as a fan. And he came back to me as a storyteller. That's really, really interesting to have those two different perspectives on the power of a thing like Mustafar and for Filoni to come at it as a fan and be honest about it and have that be like, from a fan's perspective, that sacred ground that has to, you can't mess with it. And from Lucas's perspective, if he thinks that's the place to end this story big, I would imagine uh, that or theorize that Lucas might feel that way because fans know it. And because if we hear the word Mustafar and Anakin just casually being like, oh, yeah, maybe he refueled there. And we as fans know, no, if it's Mustafar, it's a big deal. Something horrible is happening. So it's really interesting to think that Lucas was coming at it from this perspective of uh, the fact that fans know it is, in fact, good because it will uh, heighten the stakes for fans uh, rather than have it be something that just can't be touched because we already know it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so fascinating stuff. Again, uh, uh, you know, love not, not just going back to, to rewatch these episodes and find the themes, but just see what went into uh, into making them. It's, it's pretty fascinating to look back. Final one for me, then I, sorry, sorry, I, I don't oh, want to no. hold the court here too long. Uh, you mentioned already, we talked about it, but when Palpatine says, I foresee an army of forced talented spies in my service. So now, very easy to connect that to the Inquisitors. Very easy to look back. Whether that was intended or not back then, I don't know. But it's something they pulled from them um, and... It's interesting for me because as much as I love Rebels now, season one in 2014 was a little bit of a different time for Star Wars fans. We were getting familiar with the unfamiliar. The Grand Inquisitor, which is a character I end up loving, and I love Jason Isaac's read on it and everything about it, uh, and the Inquisitors itself. I don't. I love a lot of uh, what what's there for the Inquisitors other than maybe the helicopter blades, all right? <laughs> there was an initial uh, uh, thing inside me where I was like, I don't think. What what is this? This doesn't really fit. This is creating a new villain uh, because you can't have Vader running around all the time. And I, you know, I don't know if I like this. This is me back in 2014, forgetting that this is literally said by Palpatine. 
<laughs> and again, yeah, it's super, super intentional, or is it just something in Rebels? They went, you know what, Palpatine says this. What if we explore that more? Probably more of that case. But to hear it now, and as we have everything laid down on that canon roadmap, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, it, it tracks. <laughs> yeah, and I'm paraphrasing because I didn't write the line down, but he says that line of like, they don't deserve this power, or, you know, we yes, can't let their, their power go to waste. Uh, so that idea of, well, okay, well, maybe for some reason the Sidious it feels more secure in his hold on the galaxy. So, uh, you know, once the Clone Wars uh, end and he in the Empire rises, he doesn't he's not pursuing the spy network as much, but he still thinks it's a it's a waste to have, you know, yeah. the um, any any uh, light side user use their power in any way for good all of their power should be mine i should twist them to using their power for me yeah yeah, yeah that does really track yeah good stuff um yeah for me just a a few more um i i like just uh the the knowledge that uh if things had gone better there might have been a gungan jedi out in the future <laughs> oh <laughs> that yeah was nice to see that we can just see that that uh gungan infant is a gungan infant but like no that's a future jedi um I thought I saw this and then it was uh, confirmed on uh, Kristen Baver's great uh, review, uh, written review of all the Clone Wars episodes that the Gungan Child's mobile has a uh, sea monsters from Phantom Menace. That's great. The Sando Aqua Beast and the Colo Clawfish. That's yeah. very nice. I'm sure Dryden Voss would get hungry looking at that child's mobile above the, <laughs> yeah. floating above the Gungan. Um, in terms of just a, a repeated line that worked for me uh, from you know, original and, and prequel movies is, you know, it is the future you see young Skywalker hearing Yoda say that. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and knowing that the, the, uh, the good and the bad of seeing the future is a thing that both Anakin and Luke really wrestle with. And, yeah. and I've been thinking a lot about how these, you know, big twin themes of star Wars of hope and fear are different ways to react to the future. And I, I like this is just a quick line, but I just like knowing from Yoda's perspective that even then, like ye, the future is, a, you have to be really delicate about the way you see the future because you can respond to it with hope or, or fear. And, you know, you can try to uh, do your best with it. You can try to control it, all that. And, and knowing that that's kind of a loaded line for Yoda was, yeah. uh, was cool to, to hear. Um, just at the very beginning of the arc, just that reminder that Cad Bane knows Sidious is a Sith Lord. Like he's not just like, yeah. Rando in a cloak hired me, <laughs> you know, and we sometimes w wonder about that of who actually has knowledge that the, mm -hmm. what the Sith even were or that they survived or that there's a powerful one running around the galaxy. It's cool to know Cad Bane knows he is a Sith Lord. He says it. Yeah. Talk about knowledge and what Cad Bane knows. Yeah. 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 So he, he's got a, a good big picture of what's going on in the galaxy. He's probably just shaking his head going, idiot Jedi. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I liked is uh, great, just straightforward, crappy, greedy Newt Gunray appearance. That's always nice. Uh, mm -hmm. But the last big one for me is that group Jedi mind trick. That's a mm -hmm. big one, right? Uh, of knowing that that's already going to be a, a power that Jedi wrestle with of like, mm -hmm. well, great. You can use it to stop violence. If the only choice is uh, a mind trick or a fight, why not just get somebody to stand down? Yeah, but then it is actually reaching into somebody's mind and making a choice for them. So it's always going to be a little bit of a uh, a morality question of the mind trick. Uh, but then just hearing the actual sort of technical knowledge of it that, uh, as May says, um, 
I believe it's Mays. Compelling a strong mind can destroy it. I really appreciated hearing that line better because sometimes when I watch this episode, there's a part of me that's like, well, why don't why don't we see them or or in particular like Vader or Palpatine do this more often of just, you know, mm-hmm. take knowledge. And, you know, I, we do see it with uh, with Kylo and it doesn't work out for him. But knowing that that is a known, discussed idea that trained Jedi know of, you can't push too hard against a strong mind because, A, it's, you know, it, it's painful and yeah. it might, you know, hurt them, but it also might ha- be utterly pointless because their mind might just collapse, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just crumble. Mm. Yeah, and if you're, I, if I think if you're the kind of Star Wars uh, fan who gets caught up in canon of like, well, why did in A New Hope, you know, yeah, I know it was made before, but why didn't Vader just invade Leia's mind? Like, well, maybe this, maybe he knows. She's got a very strong mind, and if I push her, it's it, I'll I'll just destroy her. I won't get what I want from her. You know, I love that. I love the thin uh, the thin line, the thin blade there of of uh, between dark and light too, right? You know, and you can and knowing and even the dark side knowing that hey, you can go too far. I, um, I like that. Yeah, it's it's just such a great moment in the episode. It's uh, on one hand, it feels so cool and powerful to see these three powerful Jedi all compelling him at the same time. And you know what's at stake is so moral. Of like, you kidnapped children to do who knows what to them. We have to find these innocent children. Uh, but then also just seeing the pain that Cad Bane is in, even though you know Cad Bane is an awful dude. It's it great uh, Star Wars storytelling. I think totally. Anything that you disliked or questioned as we begin to wrap up our episode here? Uh, yeah, I'll tell you, I, it, it, there, and they show up a lot, and they show up uh, not just in space, but sometimes underwater. But even after all these years, I, Ken Napsok, do not like Jedi space helmets. <laughs> Is it? Uh, it's too science fiction, right? I, in twenty thousand leagues under the sea, and I got nothing against that. I got nothing against Jules Verne at all. Uh, it is. And I got nothing against sci-fi. I don't know why it, this one I was re- on my rewatch, you know, you and I usually watch these each episode like once or twice, sometimes more to, to review them. And in my second one, I was sitting down, I think I had some dinner and I was watching the, <laughs> and I watched that sequence. Cause again, as I've said earlier, I love the sequence that it's in the Walker uh, landing on space. So it makes sense. I want my, but I want my Jedi and I want them on top of the walkers. I get it. I get it, everybody. But I'm like, are they bolted down? Like, where do they grab them? Just, I, I guess they're probably in storage, but do they seal over? And then I get lost when I normally don't get lost in the science of it all. Uh, those bombs can drop all they want in The Last Jedi. I don't question it. I, I, just, I just, it's one of those things. It's like that tool belt thing. Do they just have these in some backpacks around in case they need them? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. It, the, the Jedi of this era are a little bit more well-equipped. They have grappling hooks and they have uh, bubble helmets. As they should. <laughs> for space they should. or water. Yeah, as they should, but yeah. As they should, but I totally get it. I think it's, it's even just like down to an aesthetic thing of like, it's such a cool scene and like, hey, you, Anakin, Ahsoka, you look really cool. Do you, do you know you got a thing on your head? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally understandable. Uh, and I, I already... Uh, uh, criticized my beloved Obi-Wan Kenobi for uh, for going too far with his snappy banter. So that was literally the only thing I disliked or questioned in this arc. Each individual episode, it's really compelling, has its own ideas, uh, furthers the great conversations about uh, Anakin and Ahsoka. Uh, yeah, I forgot to mention, I, I love that Anakin has to has that very Anakin choice of uh, let Ahsoka die or give up the holocron, and there's no hesitation. He, he cannot bear the idea of 
losing Ahsoka, uh, you know, all sorts of great stuff that moves the uh, Anakin and Ahsoka relationship forward. Great Jedi lore, great justice for Attack of the Clones. Just really, really uh, love this arc. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to uh, bring up? Uh, no, uh, I did. Uh, this is I, I mentioned the Kenobi Macing. I had kind of put that note down there. But again, just it's it's fun to see part of the Clone Wars animated series what it does so well. Uh, I almost said cartoon. You could just throw me off the ship there. I guess in my space helmet. Um, you know, it, it, the one of the big reasons is like, yeah, you know, we 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 attack the clones, revenge the Sith, went a little bit of a different direction. George needed to focus more on Anakin. He makes that big decision and cuts some of the big things. And it's a reminder of of just to see these two cool Jedi doing cool things together. Like, that was part of what we maybe all felt we were going to get from the prequels and didn't get as as much at the time to our liking. And and that's uh, reminds me of why this show is so successful and so many people love it. it. Is it really just expands that galaxy, expands that era. You described it as more lived in and, and you feel it and you feel it in moments like that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that's a great point. We all hunger for more Jedi tales. We get them in Clone Wars, and we're getting them again in Light of the Jedi. So it's a good time to enjoy Jedi adventures. Ken, if you could have a action figure of any character from this episode, who would you want? I, I don't think there's one, which is a question we often ask when we're doing this, because even in joking about Clone Wars figures, you'd be surprised what they have. Especially <laughs> but I'm going with We Done, which is the Rodian child. <laughs> One, a little tiny wee done, maybe even a, a plush, a plush wee done. So cute, so adorable, so potential. Oh, yeah, you can you could rescue wee done again and again. That'd be great. Um, I actually do. I'd love to track down a Cad Bane action figure at some point. But the the Cad Bane twist that would be fun is uh, I would like uh, like a Cad Bane doll that you could dress up in disguise because this is this is pretty rare that you get to see a bad guy dressed up as a trooper. But yeah. you got. Cad Bane in clone, over, uh, clone armor disguise. You got Cad Bane in uh, Jedi disguise. Right. You could really have some fun just uh, changing Cad Bane's outfits. I love that idea. I love, yeah, I, uh, again, one of those, like, you're not rooting for Cad Bane, but when he's got the cloak on, I'm like, that's, that's, that's not a bad idea there. Good job, you. Yeah, good job. Good job, you tricksy, tricksy, bad, mm-hmm. bad Duros. Uh, next up. We are going to be in, you got to follow the Clone Wars uh, chronology because we're going to start jumping all around. We are going to season two, episode seven, Bounty Hunters. This is one that I've been really, really excited to revisit. Uh, It is one of my favorite episodes of the Clone Wars, and I'm excited to discuss it with you, Ken. We always like to wrap up with our moral. Uh, What do you think the moral of this episode of our podcast should be, Ken? Do not get overconfident when reviewing the Clone Wars, for sometimes you will have three episodes and you will have to have patience to go through it. (laughs) Exactly. Sometimes you will have to set up your alarm uh, early the morning that you're going to record because you were overconfident that you would have time the day before to rewatch the episodes. That's a very good moral. Do you want to tell people uh, where they can find Force Center? I would love to. We are on Twitter at Force Center Pod, Instagram, and YouTube as well. We're doing some rebroadcasts over there and, and always working on perhaps some more things for YouTube. So subscribe over there. And maybe more subscribers will give us confidence to make more happen. Uh, we are also on Facebook at Force Center Podcast. You can get some merch at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. You can try an audiobook out on us at audibletrial.com slash Force Center. You can use that code inside editions, FC35. Check out 
out with that and you can get a, a, a discount from us on Inside Editions and their great books. And don't forget, you can support us directly if you'd like at patreon.com slash force center, perhaps because of Mandalorian or us doing some work with Star Wars Explained, seeing some new people come on into the uh, Patreon, which gets you into the Discord. And we really love having just uh, you into our little Force Center community. It means a lot. You can go follow us on our own things, me at Ken Napsock and my website, KenNapsock.com. Joseph. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out all of my other comedy adventures on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for mean old Cad Bane, this has been the Clone Wars Report. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.